Welcome to Radio by Jack Roberts. It is our mission to bring you inspired conversations with the world's inspired minds. We host wide-ranging discussions on business, entrepreneurship, health, wellness, mindset, and much more. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Our guest today is Tim O'Sullivan, Tim's co-founder at Bay Juice. Tim has a story of raw discovery. He stepped out of the status quo many times through his post-school years to eventually find himself on the Bay Juice journey. His infectious passion and never take no for an answer attitude will be evident over the next hour or so to everyone tuning in. Bay Juice is a story less about Korean pear juice and more about passion, hard work and self-discovery. Tim and his co-founders are just beginning to enjoy the fruits of their labor, no pun intended, and are now looking to expand their product range, which brings a whole new set of challenges moving forward. Tim is also working to bring his message of entrepreneurship and practical learning as an alternative to the status quo, to the corporate world, to young men and women who are struggling to find their place in the world. Tim, welcome to radio. Thanks for having me. Unbelievable intro. I'm, that, I'm, that is impressive. Well played. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's, let's get it. I'm um, glad I could pump your tires up a bit there, mate. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, let's let's crack into some questions. Um, tell me about Korean pears. Um, I never thought I would be having a two-hour discussion about Korean pears, but what are they, and what do they do for us? So bay juice. Well, ironically, bay means uh, pear in Korean. So we we're pretty lucky that um, that all unfolded when we were trying to choose a name for you know our new packaged Korean pear juice. Um, we actually had about 20 options and they're all pretty crap until my partner who's from Korea, Sumin, she says, oh, why don't you just call it bay juice because bay means pear in Korean. Um, so I was just like, oh, perfect, done all this arguing over our name. So yeah, so there you go. So bay means pear in Korean. So um, we started bay juice about two years ago um, or maybe two and a half years ago when we were in Korea. Um, I was sort of spending a fair bit of time there, sort of visiting my partner's family and friends and we sort of found ourselves out most nights and we kept consuming this Korean pear juice at all these convenience stores. And, um, you know, everyone just kept smashing it. When I was grabbing the beer from 7-Eleven, um, typical when you're Southeast Asia, you know, it's such a, a luxury being able to get a beer from 7-Eleven. But I was grabbing a beer from 7-Eleven and everyone's smashing this pear juice. And it sort of turned out and they sort of explained thoroughly that it actually helped your hangover. Um, so that was sort of the birth of me experiencing Korean pear juice and the concept of bay juice sort of um, growing from there really. So we sort of went out, we tried it and, and it really did. It helped their hangovers. Um, you know, everyone sort of knew about it. We spoke to lots of people there and they were like, yeah, Korean pear juice helps your hangovers. And my mum does it, my, my grandparents did it, you know, so it's quite a traditional old school um, fruit and product. So, um, uh, yeah, so we started two years ago and we're just sort of, learning more and more about it. We've had heaps of research on it. Um, and yeah, we're just sort of starting to educate the market on how amazing this product is essentially. Mm. Um, I know you mentioned that you've just done some some lab work with, with the pears in, in North Melbourne just recently. Um, what were sort of some of the things you found inside the Korean pear that you obviously you knew about some of the benefits, but um, you know, you mentioned to me privately that there were some things around pregnancy and a whole heap yeah. of other benefits that you're just starting to sort of get into now. Yeah, well, we sort of just went with the momentum of um, the sort of core enzyme inside that sort of speeds up the alcohol metabolism, helping the hangovers. But 
since we've done this research, we've found that it's high in vitamin C, vitamin D, um, folate's a big one, and we're actually doing a few extra testing specifically on folate um, as it has so many benefits towards pregnancy. Um, I don't know the full answers to them at the moment. They're still looking into it, but it definitely helps um, sort of the development of, um, I know, the infant and sort of the embryo stage, I'm pretty sure. It's, <laughs> so I'm definitely not a scientist, but um, it's sort of what this person was explaining to me. So it helps pregnancies, really high in fiber, high in potassium. It's good for high cholesterols, um, reduces, um, how is it, uh, reduces... All sorts of yeah, yes, information. Yeah, that's that's the main yeah. sort of component they've definitely used with the Korean pear. So we're pretty lucky. We've just sort of rolled in, going, "This is cool, tastes good, helps you hangover." Um, and long behold, it's got all these other health benefits. So we're pretty pumped, and um, yeah, we've sort of got a whole new angle we can sort of take on it now. So we're pretty excited. Now we had a funny moment the other night after we sort of organised and we said we'd sit down and and do this podcast. Well, not sit down. We'd we'd call in and do yeah, this yeah. podcast. We're obviously social socially distanced because of coronavirus. But I'd sent across some questions and I was just waiting from from some feedback from Tim. And instead, I get a screenshot of your website and he's like, "You're on my website, mate." Um, <laughs> this leads me to think I was probably one of the first people to try the final iteration of, of bait of bay juice like that product was fully packaged then and sure and, and yeah. ready to go I, I reckon it must have been one of the first runs because that would have been early days definitely that would take, have been early jan yeah i reckon yeah take me through the steps from your first pear juice sort of in the in the 7-eleven in korea yeah to then your first shipment of bay juice landing in in melbourne and, and sort of going to the market yeah it was, it was pretty quick it was like seriously quick um and it's sort of it's almost a blur a little bit because it was stressful. Um, you know, the financial side of it was stressful. Everything was, you know, just so new to me. So it was quite hectic. But I guess that first time I was in Korea and, and consumed it, I was just completely obsessed. We came back to Melbourne after sort of trying it, meeting Sumin's family and everything. And when we were in Melbourne, we started looking for some other alternatives. We tried to find the pear juice and we found a few cans that had like 12% pear, but the rest sugar. So we just kept saying to ourselves, surely this 100% juice is even better than this sugar-fueled canned one, which we were trying in Korea. So we were lucky. We found and sourced like just a couple of boxes from a Korean grocery. Um, they only had about 60 units there full stop. Um, so we brought all of them anyway. Um, and then I went to the cafe. So I part on a cafe in Essendon and I'm sitting there making lattes, cappuccinos, you name it. And on a Friday morning, I'm giving them out to solicitors, optometrists, high school students, dudes I don't even know, I've never seen before. I'm just giving out this pear juice on a Friday morning with people's coffee. Um, and I said, look, guys, just trust me. <laughs> it's all in green. You're not going to understand what it is. It's just an all-natural juice. I've read all this research on it. CSIRO have told me that it reduces hangover symptoms and I'll put it to a test myself and it bloody works. Um, so, that, so I left it in their court. Come Monday, I had this 34-year-old optometrist, a 52-year-old solicitor, and all these people come back on, oh, what the hell is that juice? It was unbelievable. They thought it tasted really cool. They're really fascinated by it. Um, and they said it definitely took the edge off. They felt a bit clearer. They weren't as dry mouth. So they were like, sweet. Yeah, that's, that's cool. So we sort of ticked the boxes in the first fortnight of coming back to Melbourne. Um, and then I guess after that, we we're like, okay, we're pretty on here. Um, you know, there's no real supply here in the biggest Korean groceries. People think it works, young and old, and there's a bit of research online that backs it. Let's 
let's just go back to Korea and find a supplier and just give this a dash. So me and Sumin, we booked flights another sort of month and a bit after having just arrived back from Melbourne, having just got time off the cafe and you know, I usually pull 60 hours a week there. Um, and then so we're like, all right, we're going back to Korea again. Flew back a month and a bit later and met Sumin's dad, who's a pretty switched on dude. He's been in a few industries and um, we said, look, we need a massive manufacturer pair. Um, we want to get the biggest one because we're so confident in this concept that, you know, if we get a million orders, we can fulfill it. You know, that, that's day one of our thinking. So we were like, let's go. Let's get a big pair farm. We caught a bullet train. We stayed at Simi's auntie's house in the middle of nowhere. And we got a bus and we found this massive rural area with a huge pear farm that was really, really famous in Korea. Um, I just found out recently they supplied McCafe, so the McDonald's sort of um, uh, cafes there. They supplied 165 tonnes of pear juice last week um, to do a new pear juice smoothie at McDonald's. So this is the biggest manufacturer in the country. So we rolled in, shorts, T-shirts, Sumin's got tats, i got tats. We're 23 years old. We sit down with a, a couple of directors of this company going, we reckon this would be a huge hit in Australia. We want to rebrand it and we want to ship it over to Melbourne and we're going to have an absolute crack at it. And ironically, they were like, sweet, yeah, we've actually been discussing how can we actually export this product and here you guys are with a cool opportunity. So let's see how this pans out. So they gave us some hair nets and boots and, and a lab coat and they go, let's go for a tour. So we're now in meeting and we're having tour of the whole manufacturing process, the warehouse is as far as the eye could see. Um, and he's taking us through the whole process. This is where we pick the pears, clean them, filter them, crush them, sterilize the packs, everything. It was like, wow. So it was pretty exciting and exhilarating. And, you know, the fact that we were there for business was pretty crazy when, you know, we'd only just sort of discovered this cool drink like five or six weeks ago. So like I said, it was really quick. Um, and then, you know what, we had all these ideas and everything was, you know, really pumping. And so we flew back to Melbourne. I went and met up with my best friend, Liam, who's one of our um, business partners now and founders. And we just crunched this whole idea of, well, we've just got to do this. It works. We've done the hardest bit first. We found a supplier. So the ball was sort of in our court now to build a brand, set up the business. Again, we had no idea what we were doing. Um, we didn't even know how to set up a business. There was a couple of calls to blokes in the old footy team um, that used to work in accountants going, how do I set up a business? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'll call my dad. I'm pretty sure he's still an accountant. I don't even know. I don't speak to him. Um, you know, so there's just this crazy story of how do you even set up a business on paper? Um, and, you know, that was square one. So once we got that, then we're like, let's build a brand. Spoke to, you know, some friends of friends in graphic design and they did us a whole landing page, product development, logos, everything for a really good price. So, again, we we're funding all of this with our weekly wages. So between us, we had like a thousand bucks a week to pay for the next stage. Thousand bucks to pay for the next stage. Let's do design. Let's do some legalities. Let's. Let's get the business set up. Let's start um, planning logistics and putting some money away for stock. So it was pretty rapid. It was, this was all so quick. And we sort of, um, we, we did that whole process over sort of four or five, six months. Did 41 versions of the design of the product. Um, had started speaking to different people to help us with logistics and how the hell we even approach a retailer. Um, you know, I'm flinging lattes at the moment. And now we're going to start having to sell to big retailers and even organising a container from um, Southeast Asia to Melbourne, you know, how the hell do we do that? So it was all pretty crazy, but, you know, we were just figuring it all out and we're so excited. And once we sort of developed our brand, we were so happy with everything about it. We, we could just see it becoming a lifestyle brand. It had the right colours. It was current. It was trendy. It's cool. It's matte. It's pastel. So we were just absolutely pumped. 
And I guess in December, um, not last year, the year before, uh, me and Sumin actually flew over to watch the manufacturing of it. Uh, we did an order of 50,000 units. We'd had some consulting and they're like, don't fuck around and get two or 3,000 units. You'll run out straight away. And then you've got to get a whole container back again, which is already a process. So we brought as many units as we could buy. At the time, we had no money. So we borrowed 25 grand or like 30 grand to help us with the order of Sumin's dad. Um, he doesn't even speak English, but he completely believed the idea and he thought the product was awesome and he was just so excited by our energy. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it, I'm in. So he lent us some cash. We got the first shipment together. We videoed it all. Um, and it was probably the greatest day of my life watching it all come together. Even though it was a quick process, it was exhausting and exhilarating. But holding that first juice off that first run was just mind-blowing. It was, it was just insane. It was such a good feeling. It was so exciting. And there was boxes everywhere. There's pallets of product everywhere. It was just so, so exciting. So that was sort of over sort of 15 months ago. And then January last year, it arrived in Melbourne. Um, we rented a classic little uh, shared storage facility at Kennard's Warehouse next to, you know, your dad with his lawnmower and a couple of hipsters with their fixie bikes and um, a few other things. So we were doing it. Which suburbs you self storage in? No. My couch is probably in the one next door. Right. You're in the one in Port oh, Melbourne. My couch is next other, door. Other, other side storage of the city, we're in Flemington, but not far though. But there's plenty of that. Um, that's yeah, gold. So it was, it was exciting. And we'd had all the stock there and we were just like, wow. You know, was, we got all our mates to help us. There was thousands of boxes of, of units and we we're like, let's just get it in there. Um, and then, you know, the rest was history. It's sort of been the crazy sort of 15 months since it landed. Um, but it was, it was quite a quick bang, 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 idea, development of idea, branding, stock, Melbourne. And it was, uh, it was awesome. I loved it. I still love talking about it. <laughs> it's obviously a great story and, you know, everyone can hear the, the passion that you've got, of, you know, about the, the product itself, but obviously, you know, the learning curve and the experience and everything's been a great one for you as well. Um, as we speak today, what are we standing at? About 100, 100 retailers you're in there? Yeah, yeah. So over the last four weeks, Lee, my business partner, has just been crunching it. So he's got us into about 40 IGAs in the last four weeks amongst this madness of, you know, the virus and, and everything. Um, he, he was actually very clever. He goes, you know what? The hardest thing is talking to a manager or talking to the right person all the time. It's, you know, a, a, you know, a cash attendant, you know, they're not really interested or probably don't even know who the manager is. They're just trying to get their 18, 20 bucks an hour. Um, but every time we've been there, it's been busy, plenty of business and always the manager's there. So Liam's had the best opportunities to pitch him our product. Um, you know, our cost of goods is pretty solid. So we, we can afford to give some samples and say, hey, this is it. We back our product so much. We'll give you some for free. Whack it on the counter next to your liquor and we guarantee it'll sell. And since sort of the last sort of first run of two weeks of stores, we've had a number of them call back. One of our best stores is in South Yarra. One of them's in Richmond. And we've actually got our boxes stacked up sort of about five foot tall as if it's sort of like a wholesale special that they're doing that well in a couple of our original stores. So we're lucky. So we, we took it in our stride. Liam's got heaps of stores and we've finally sort of hit that triple figure number, which is a bit of reward for hard effort, really. Sort of before that, you know, we're just grinding. But when you sort of get a couple of sort of good milestones, you're like, you know what? That's awesome. We're out, you know, this product that we've developed together, we've managed to get 100 stores. We've got people backing it. We've got people buying it. Um, so we're really excited with the momentum we've got at the moment. So we're pumped. 
I think it's it's one of those things you spoke about making sure you're speaking to the right people. Um, one one of the the biggest lessons that I've learned, um, and one of the ways I guess I've been able to multiply, particularly in um, particularly now with with the digital business that I'm working on, one of the ways I've been able to to scale things so quickly and get in so many doors is making sure you're speaking to the right people. Yeah. Um, and you can't be speaking to the third or fourth in like if you're speaking to the third or fourth in line, um, even if it's a huge company, um, you know, we've got a couple of property developers we're working with that are, you know, transacting hundreds of millions of dollars worth of real estate around the world. If you're speaking to even the marketing manager and you're not speaking to, you know, the yeah. CFO, COO, someone like that, you're not even in the, you're not even in <laughs> yeah, the frame. Right. Yeah, like you might, think, yeah. you might think you are, but you'll find out down the tr- You can spend six months pitching a marketing manager in, in our business, and then that, and that's just to get the introduction to, to the guy that's actually making a decision. And then you've got another 12 months of of pitching your product before they say, okay, let's give this guy a go. That's so I think high. it's really yeah. interesting that, that you've come across the same thing in a, in a different that's industry. It, yeah. You know, you've, you've noticed that you have to be speaking to the right people. Also, um, I guess like the timing of that as well and making sure that whilst you're still following up and things like that and staying on top of these people, you're also not being, I, I guess, a pain in the Yes, it is tricky because they're um, busy as well. So you kind of got to adjust to it, definitely. Um, so take me through, obviously, some of, the, um, some of the challenges you sort of touched on, you know, finding suppliers and yeah. things like that along the way, but has there been anything that sort of stood out to you as far as let's, let's put the learning curve yeah. aside. Obviously there's a lot of things you've had to learn and probably as you scale into some of the larger retailers, um, you know, there'll be more learning curve around supply chain yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. things, but I guess what are some of the big challenges that stand out to you after two and a half years of bait? I think it's having no serious investment. Um, and you read about people raising capital and successfully raising capital and, doing all these different things and crowdfunding and doing this and all that. We've just packed it from our own paycheck. Like I said earlier, ourselves. Um, and whilst it's great, you know, we're the three of us own the company so far at the moment. It's, it has its moments where it is just grueling because, you know, the hospitality world, you're mopping floors, you're talking to people, you're doing 11 hour days on your feet, talking, talking, talking. And then you get paid on a Sunday, or that's how we do it at our venue. You get paid on that Sunday night and it just goes instantly. It's just gone to, you know, early days we were wasting money on marketing agencies. Recently we outsourced PR when we were killing it internally anyway. Um, and we just started, you know, it's just, it was just, it hurt. You know, you just work so hard and you just flush your account into, um, you know, trademarking, you flush your account into setting up a legal document with some exclusivity with your supplier. It's all important stuff. So that's why it's even more frustrating because you've got to do it. It's not a waste of money, but, you know, just constantly having to fund everything ourselves. And a few times we've really battled and I shared a story recently with some friends that um, we just had a shipment arrive a month ago um, and we had a sort of 20 plus grand bill due and we had about 700 bucks in our account. Um, and we're sort of all looking at each other for the answers and we're never really stressed about it because we're believers of it all works out and, and everything's going really well. So, you know, we've got some last minute resources we can always tap into, but that was really stressful. Um, you know, a, a day before having to pay a supplier, 
we've got a great relationship with them. We could have budged, but we don't want to because we want to start working on some new ideas with them. So we want to keep the relationship fresh and happy. So, you know, I borrowed six grand off dad. Liam borrowed, you know, a few thousand here. Sumin's, you know, flushed her whole savings that she's sort of had because she lives in Melbourne and, you know, away from her whole family. So she doesn't really have, you know, like a family like I do to fall back on. So she's always had some, you know, sort of a bit of a flush money fund to sort of help her in worst case scenario. She's gone bang, flushed all of her security just to get this second shipment here and arriving. So the challenge has just been fronting up everything off our own bat. So it's been hard and we wish we had some sort of investment, but right now we're just, we feel like we know the ins of out of everything we're doing. We know the momentum, we know the growth, we know what retailers we're targeting. We, we're really hot onto it. So we feel like we know what's happening. So we don't really need it right now, but it's just challenging. It's just, we don't need the money. It would be great if we had some coin, but let's just keep grinding. Let's keep having that argument every second week of who's going to pull this together and how we're going to manage it. But finances, sort of the cash flow has been the tricky thing, especially when you're investing all the money to grow the business or grow the brand awareness. And then all of a sudden you need more stock and you're invested in all your money to grow the business. You don't even have money to get stock. So it's been that sort of management of picking and choosing what to invest money into that's, you know, at least going to bring a return versus saving some money for some stock and, all that sort of stuff. So money's been the most challenging thing. Um, but I guess right now we're sort of happy with where we are and we've sort of got through some of the challenging times and we've kept our overheads low now. We're doing everything internally and we've got shit ton of stock. So we're just sort of ready to rock and roll now. So it's been challenging, but we're in a good place now. I think those challenges have really, um, they obviously become the foundation yeah. of your business in the long in the long term as well though. So you can sort of, always know that you can back yourself in to get the job done. You've learned the skills that, that you needed. Whereas obviously if you had a, um, you know, and I've, I've had a couple of guys on the show that have, you know, um, that have raised capital. Um, I'm not sure exactly when, exactly when we're going to send this episode live. Yeah, yeah, I'm being honest yeah. with you right now, yeah. so I'm recording it. Um, but I know that I record an episode with a guy in LA and his business is backed by one of the five biggest VC right. funds in the world. Um, and, like these guys that have obviously done very successful in, in raising, in raising capital, but at the same time, you also, I guess there's a learning curve there that comes with driving the real mechanics of, of the business, keeping yeah, your yeah. overheads low. If you've got, if you had $200 million sitting in your bank account because you've raised a heap of money, your overheads would be ridiculous. You'd probably still be using the marketing agency that let you down. You'd yeah, still be outsourcing yeah. your PR, which you weren't happy with because you had money to burn. So I, I think it's actually a great example of where those challenges have actually will actually definitely. become strengths yeah, down definitely. the track. Um, I'd just be interested to know if, if you could do it again, you obviously know yeah. the idea's got legs, um, you know, knowing what you know now, would you have pitched venture capital firms or would you have done it the it's, same um, way again? It's tricky because um, I think we're, we've done it in an unorthodox way, um, you know, a, bit, a little bit start, middle and end. Um, I sort of feel some big corporates might want to do things differently than we have done them. But I think considering it's been 12 months since the stock landed or 15, even with a ton of coin, it's sort of hard to see besides having more followers and being able to use more influencers and maybe having a bigger ad spend online. It would be great. But I think personally for us, just the development has been insane. So someone said to me recently, they would trust me with all their money at the moment because 
it's every penny is just so crucial at the moment. So, you know, we're, you know, right now, you know, we're not going to use things willy-nilly. We're going to be quite direct and tactical with how we spend our money. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think I would do it differently. And, and that's being completely honest. That's not trying to be a bit of a hero saying, nah, nah, we've done it all right. But I think just bigger picture-wise, if I do a product in the future or I work with another bigger company in the future or we're starting to bring some new SKUs and, and a whole product range, well, we're in really good areas and we're not going to have to lean on some big corporates that have done it. Hopefully one day people are going to be asking me all of these questions um, and I'm going to be building brands with other people and mentoring and giving consulting and doing all these things because I've been through the absolute ringer with it. And I wouldn't want it any other way because I just feel so confident and strong with everything I'm doing at the moment. And, um, you know, you don't really worry about your mistakes anymore because you've got the product, you've got a great team. So as much as it'd be nice to have coin, we actually spoke to someone who's going to help us get some capital. And he goes, what would you do with a million dollars? We could barely spend 200 grand um, with our initial ideas of uh, advertising, uh, more stock. Um, you know, we don't want an office. We're still working and you know, we work, we're, doing, we're making things work now. So, you know, like we, we couldn't even spend a couple of hundred grand besides advertising and maybe some influencer campaigns because our product's pink and called Bay. It should, probably should be in more people's hands. But I think the gradual growth has helped us as individuals and as a small business. I think it's going to hold us in good stead in the future. I guess you've led me straight into where I wanted to go next with this was, I guess, um, individuality and, and the growth that you've seen personally from you know, from two and a half years ago, sort of traveling around. Did you have yeah, the so we've had that for just over ago? three now? Yeah. Yeah. So you've got the cafe. Um, obviously, you've, you've jumped off to Korea to meet your, your yeah. girlfriend's parents. Um, things are looking a little bit different to what they are today. Um, and you, you probably thought you were busy at the time, but <laughs> now, you <feel> like you, <laughs> now you feel like you're busy. Um, I guess a lot of my guests have sort of spoken about self-awareness and, and realising early on in a business that they need to sort of work on some skills personally. Take me through some of the things you've realised with yourself uh, that you needed to work on and, and how that sort of personal development journey's unfolded. Yeah, I think um, I posted on LinkedIn a photo, oh, sorry, a video of 2018 of me in Korea after the manufacturing had happened. I had extremely long hair. I was wearing just some crazy Adidas kits and I was just swearing every 10 seconds to the camera saying how fucking excited I am and yeah, 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 yeah. And it was, it was pretty funny to watch. It was awesome seeing the excitement and I still think I'm as loud and as passionate as I was then and I still had the same goal. Like two years ago, I was talking about I want this to be a lifestyle brand. I'm proud that our product's healthy. It's 100%. There's no sugars, you know. I was just so pumped back then and I still feel the exact same now. Um, so I'm glad I haven't lost that side of it, but I think just my natural persona has definitely adapted to um, just the corporate, you know, just the businessy world with its, my LinkedIn trying to sell myself, whether it's trying to, trying to speak to media channels, whether it's trying to talk to these category managers, these larger retailers, you've, you've really got to hold yourself well because you're pitching some commercial pricing and, and orders of, some big values and orders and responsibilities, you know, you've got to be as well presented as your product. So I think that's helped me sort of switch on a little bit um, where I was pretty loose a couple of years ago. It's still, you know, going out the Friday, Saturday, Sundays and um, recovering Monday, Tuesday and then doing it all over again. But I think that snapped me into gear a little bit. 
Um, so I think that's been the main thing, just my general business and, and sort of business owner persona. Oh, yeah, that, that sort of rhymed randomly. Um, but, but I think that's been the key thing for me. I, I've always been confident. I've always never put pressure on myself to find something that I think's going to work or that I'm passionate about. I've always been quite free-spirited, whereas a lot of people I'm surrounded by are so worried about uni and, you know, the bigger picture and climbing that corporate ladder. And that, that's totally fine. That's, that's security and it's probably not a bad call. But, you know, for me, I've always been quite, you know, go with the flow kind of thing. So to be honest, I, I think it's just my professionalism has grown more or less. And um, I think talking to just these bigger people, these bigger companies has sort of helped me realise that I do have to, you know, be sort of a bit more mature and more responsible than I am at the moment. So I think that was the main thing for me because I was 23 when I found the concept. I was still... Um, you know, living each day as they come without going to uni and it's got a new girlfriend and running a business and it's kind of cool. So I, I think it sort of just kicked me into gear a little bit and um, I think that the cafe helped me with my um, my work ethic. You know, you're still mopping floors, taking out bins, doing dishes all the time and, you know, I owed a quarter of a 135-seater cafe and I'm doing dishes a lot of the time to pull my weight. So I think... That helped me take on Bay Juice and, you know, be a bit more accountable and, um, you know, we do most things internally. So I'm not sure how fully that answered your question, but I've always sort of just gone with the flow, with the whole momentum of everything, and I, I think that's helped me grow. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question because it's something that um... – it's something that I personally, I don't have an answer for this question. So I'd be, you, feel yeah. free to turn around and say to me, Jack, it's an, it's a mystery to me, as yeah. it is to you. Um, you know, there's been a few times in my life that I've definitely felt um, stresses and, and pressures when the real estate market sort of downturned uh, two and a bit years ago. Um, things got significantly different from what I I guess I'd expected or I had built out in my mind. And, th and that was quite like... Um, that was quite sort of challenging. Um, but one of the things I guess um, that I've always, I've always sort of prided myself on is a, is a relative level of, of composure and sort of, um, I just remember when that book by Mark Manson came out, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, I looked at that and I said, I definitely don't need to read that book <laughs> because there's not a lot of fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I just sort of was quite natural. I just had a natural tendency to not really care about things that don't matter. I, I care a lot about a lot of things and it's really strange. Like I, I think that apathy as a trait is probably one of the worst, um, you know, one of the worst things, not only for the human race, but just it's just an awful way to yeah, live your yeah. life just to constantly sort of be in that state of not really caring what yeah, goes yeah. on. But I really care about, I really care about a lot of things, but at the same time, there's so many things I just look at and I just go like, well, it's not even worth a minute of worry. Like you just, you're saying you just go with yeah. the flow and you sort of just work through it. How did you really nurture that kind of, um, that kind of go with the flow kind of thing? Is that something you were conscious of and something you've kind of nurtured? And like, how did you come across it? Um, and I guess as a second part of that question, have you ever found at times there's been pushback from other people because obviously some people can get really worked up and, and really stressed out about some things. And then when you're there, just like, Oh mate, don't worry about it. Like sun will come up. Tomorrow. Yeah. Sometimes I know from my experience, sometimes people aren't too happy yeah. with that, that kind of approach. 
Uh, I think for me, it's the cafe. So, you know, we've got a lot of younger staff there. So we've got about sort of 10 guys and girls that are sort of under 22 or 3. We've sort of got half a netball team and a couple of guys from the local high school and stuff. And when things are absolutely pumping, they're really stressed. Um, and you can see it. And, and for us, this is our business. And, you know, you don't want shit to go poorly. So you've, you've really got to just step up when things are difficult. So when you've got 20 people walking in or looking for a table, it's full, someone's frustrated, the coffee, someone fucked up, um, a lady's angry about the eggs not being runny, I just speak louder and quieter and I deal with the worst scenario first and let all these kids deal with the easy shit that I was doing and I just and I just start being the general a little bit. I'm starting, right, you go, mate, you go toast these wraps and do organise these takeaway juices. I'll go deal with the psycho bitch over there about the eggs um i'll deal with her don't you worry and i go talk to her win her over free coffee come back over here table for two you know it's really just i've always taken that in my stride and i've always been someone who if if i don't do it there's no way someone else here is going to do it looking around you know sort of some of our staff so that's sort of been my approach Mm -hmm. if i don't do this right now and step up no one else is going to do it um customers going to be angry people are going to be frustrated we might get a couple of bad reviews someone mightn't want to pay for their food um, and it's a shit hour. So I always try to step up when it needs to be done. And I think with Bay Juice and trying to be that cool head of, um, you know, and I even had staff ask me why I'm not so stressed, you know, during stressed moments. And, um, you know, they, they sort of, I've shared the, the journey a few times of Bay Juice with them as well. They're always quite interested. And some of them have started their own catering, grazing businesses, and one's doing their own uh, eyelash thing, you know, all these things. And they're quite inspired by small business now. Um, and they just don't understand how I'm not stressed. And I think people giving me that feedback help me relax even more, um, if that makes sense. So people are like, oh, why are you stressed? You've got so much shit on. You're not, you're tired. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm actually not. So you sort of take it in your stride a little bit more. And I guess with the whole beige use front, I, I lived in Ho Chi Minh for a year and we were we were doing different DJ events. We, we were partying with like Venga Boys. We had client liaison bear graders and Peking Duck for little rooftop parties and pool pool events. Um, and it was me and a sort of a, a mate that were living there and he was sort of funding it all. And every second day I'd be like, mate, what are we going to do about this money? Like we've, we didn't make any money this week. How are we going to do this? And he goes, just don't you worry about money. I just need you to focus on doing all the marketing. I need you to focus on keeping all the artists content, chill, get them a few drinks. Um, the two staff have got just run through all the graphic design for the event posters and speak to the venue guy. You just, just focus on that. And just let me focus on the money because focusing on money sucks. And he said it to me all the time. He goes, no, just don't worry about the money. Just fucking just, you just do all the little things that I really need you to pull your weight on right now to help us put this together. I'll just worry about all the crap stuff. Um, and, you know, I was 19, 20 living over there and I was booking all these artists to fly into Ho Chi Minh and managing them and throwing these parties and no one coming and then letting the party come in for free so it looked busy. It was, it was a pretty crazy time, but... I still implement that today. So when assuming my partner's gone, what the hell are we going to do? We don't have any money. How are we going to front this bill? How are we going to pay for this? And I'm like, it's it's fine. You just speak to the supplier. You get the stock in the water on the way here. I'll deal with all the money. And I've got no fucking idea what I'm doing. But I just, just assuming you just worry about this. Liam's out there selling. We'll, we'll just we'll figure out the money as it goes. No one else worry about it. If it's a burden on anyone, everyone, shit's going to hit the fan. But if it's just I take the burden of the money and the, the, the stressful shit of all this, 
then it'll take the edge off and everyone else can can do do their thing. And I think it's worked. And I, I implemented it from my friend in Ho Chi Minh who used to try to make me cool, calm and collected. And now I'm saying to these guys, you know, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Get it done. Let's do this. We'll sort it out. And just by having that composure, it's helped my decision making. Um, when I've reached out to someone for money, whether it's friends or family, I haven't sound desperate. I've told them, you know, I've got a plan. Everyone's doing this. You know, we need to, we need this coin. I can pay you back here. You know, this is how much it's worth. And it's just really helped the business grow and or at least be sustainable. So um, I, I think that answers your question, but that's how I've sort of tried to sort of manage that whole stress composure and, and everyone being in a good place to make sure the business is is running properly. That is one of the, I think, most valuable pieces of content. I've <laughs> I'm glad it sounded good as I was saying. I haven't um, thought about it before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did put you on the spot there. That, that isn't on our questions. Um, I want to, I, I don't have the ability to teach anyone this. Um, I think it's something, like you said, a very interesting part just to interpret a little bit. What you actually do now is something that you picked up from someone else showing you how to, you don't worry about the money, mate. And now yeah. you've gone and done that in your business because you know how empowered you felt as a staff. And you're like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about the money. Like, I'll on. just go book artists. I'll just go, we'll sort it out. Right. And you actually learn how to empower people by being empowered yeah. by someone else. Um, one of the topics you did touch on, um, and this is for anyone listening that feels like they struggle with that, feels like they sort of, um, you know, they, they stress out a little bit and don't make the best decisions, whether it be in business or in life generally. Um, there's a book by uh, a former Navy SEAL commander, uh, Jocko Willink, um, called, uh, I think it's called Extreme Ownership or Extreme Accountability. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Extreme Ownership. Um, I should probably know the book, of, the, know the name of Close the book enough. before I recommend it uh, in the in in the future. But no, it's Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, um, and it basically speaks to that concept of everything is you know everything's your fault and everything's your responsibility. But it's it's that you said the general mindset. That's what it is. It's about when the when the chips are down, you're the general and you pull the team through, um, no matter what the situation is. Um, and by doing that and by, you know, demonstrating that, it actually then builds trust in the team to support yeah. you more fully as well. Um, so your guys in the cafe know that, just FYI on a side note, like I find it very, very interesting in our society that we have people sitting down. How, how much is a smashed smash avo and some eggs at your 16, cafe? 25 15, bucks, no, we're surrounded like by that. high school, so we try and penetrate that younger market and it works. <laughs> Pretty good. Sixteen fifty. Give you cafe a Benny and me cafe. It's on twenty five Rose Street in Essendon. Everyone head down to it. Yeah, not that big. The cheapest smashed avo and eggs. (laughs) (laughs) Smashed avo and eggs in Melbourne. Um, If you're listening in the US or in um, many of the other countries that tune in, (laughs) bad luck. Um, But. Uh, that's a great deal. What I was going to say is it's funny how people um, in the scheme of their lives, like they're sitting down paying 25 bucks in most cafes for, for some eggs and, and a bit of avocado. Some of the really trendy cafes in Melbourne don't even smash the avocado. Yeah, yeah, you just get half the avocado on the side of the plate. <laughs> a bit of deconstructed avocado. And people sort of have the, um, the perspective that the worst thing that's happening to them is their, uh, <laughs> their eggs aren't running. That's I think insane. it's a very it interesting... <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we we live in a very very good time. Yeah. Coronavirus aside <laughs> and everything that's going on in the world, there's not a lot of things to complain about if you're worried about the consistency of your eggs. Madness. Um, yeah, <laughs> let's keep cracking on with some questions. Um, what does a day in the office look like for you and your team? Um, so me and Liam, we spend a little bit of time together. Um, before everything, we would try to go to cafes, we'd have meals, we'd just try to plan what each of us are going to do. And it definitely helped us. But I think a day, well, we, we don't have an office to start. <laughs> um, we all work from home. And for me, I have, you know, a couple of days off a week. And, you know, I've got a long-term relationship. Me and Sumi have been together for three and a half years. So my two days off, she wants to go do this, that, that, that. So it's quite hard. So for me, I try to get up nice and early on, a, uh, you know, sort of whatever day I have off, crunch out as much stuff as I can, whether it's, messaging different medias, pitching our story to different people, trying to get our products sold on different platforms or whatever it is, more in the online and marketing space. I just attack anyone. Um, and I crunch that out for a while. And, you know, we're just, everything's on WhatsApp. I've got, we've got some consultants helping us getting on shelves. We've got a graphic designer. It's me and Liam. Uh, I've got one with me, Liam and Sumin. We've got one on sales. You know, it's all just, it's all just pretty whatever works there's nothing really structured at all um we, we try to every monday talk about what we're about to do for the week but we both work on weekends so come monday you don't even know what day it is but we're, we're pretty free flow um we kind of do things seven days a week really whether it's early or late so there's no real structure just it's just me so me and Liam have been best mates since 2005 um and he lives about 155 meters away from my house now and he always has and I've moved three times. We've just moved in a triangle around his house. Um, so we've always lived so close to each other for 15 years. So it's meet halfway for a dart half the time. Um, he'd come over for a glass of wine, would crunch things out, or we go to the cafe and have a coffee. So it's just mobile. It's just whatever's working. It's just as long as everything gets done, that's sort of essentially it really. Nothing special. Very, very interesting. Um, obviously, so between you're basically between the cafe, yeah. between your home office, and uh, and then your self storage unit as well with the stock, um, and you guys are just really just getting it done, and it's all all basically everything's coordinated through WhatsApp, or do you have specific roles? Like you obviously were saying that the yeah. lead's handling a little bit more of the yeah. BDM kind of stuff at the moment, doing a bit more yeah, more retailers. Is that sort of how you, how you structure it. You've each yeah. got your allocated tasks and you sort of chip yeah. away at those in your own time. And then anything that you need help on, you know, you can go to the group and, and obviously, um, you know, send a message and say, hey, can you fix exactly that? Exactly right. So Liam was at CBRE that. for three or four years, I think, in the city. Um, so he's just yep. hands-on with his in, with his uh, mobile, just he's on the blower flat stick. He loves it. Um, and I'm sure you can probably relate sort of real estate life or commercial, whatever it is. But he's just, he's, on the phone, man, or his favorite favorite saying, see ball, get ball. Um, and that's it. That's as far as he is. Tenacity goes, see ball, get ball. We need to drop something off in Bacchus Marsh. Bacchus Marsh by four o'clock today. They're working from home and they're running an article on us from wherever it is, pedestrian TV. Within an hour and a half, he's knocking on the door with a six pack on. Here you go. Here's our product. He's just unbelievable. Just, he just gets everything done 
And then on my end, I'm just PR. So I'm PR, marketing. I do all the socials, everything. Reach out to anyone. Try to get product in people's hands. Um, and it's, it's amazing. We, we outsourced it for ages. Um, got a few good results, but since we've taken it back on, we've got so much coming up. We've got industry-related articles. We've got lifestyle articles. We've got retail, different articles. So I'm more focused on that. And then Sumin does all the correspondence with Korea. So we're working on a new SKU at the moment. It's going to be a bit more health-focused towards immunity. Um, it's going to have a pretty famous Southeast Asian herb blended with it. Um, so she's sort of more focused on the Korean angle, being the only one that speaks Korean. Um, so we have. We've sort of got our roles now and we're sort of quite comfortable with what we're doing. But at the same time, we do. We support each other with everything, um, no matter what it is. And we're all so excited and we're so, all so invested in everything that we're all always engaged in things. So me and Liam, we're going to take on the Facebook ads of next week. We're both working on all of our accounts at the moment to try and clean up some of our balance sheets and stuff and make it a bit more, sort of finesse it a bit more. Um, so, yeah, we sort of take on everything, but we definitely have our roles. I think you've obviously answered the question pretty well. It's obviously a bit of a non-traditional office, but it seems like you've got a, you've got a good little process that works and is pretty efficient. Um, what do, have you, obviously you, you know, the second product will be, you basically what you're saying with that immunity product is it will be a um, sort of a spin-off of the yep. traditional beige yep. so similar packaging and, and things like that, but just with an immunity. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And, and such. It's, it's amazing. You know, I, I did a previous podcast a couple of weeks ago and it was um, sort of targeting different angles. But one thing I explained was one thing I've just learned that if I can teach anyone is distributors and retailers want more than one product. And I wish I knew that. But it, doesn't, it didn't matter because we're working on and growing Bayjuice and that's the most important thing. But it's becoming very repetitive that you're going to need a, a couple other products in the, you know, in, in the works so then you can have some shelf presence and sort of really dominate your space. Um, so I only just learned that recently and I've been enjoying telling people that, you know, have actually reached out to me saying, hey, I'm doing this. How are you approaching your independent grocers? How are you approaching getting bottlers? And I'm saying, well, I'm doing this, but we're also got something on, on, on the back burner because if I can give any advice, it's they're going to ask for some, some more SKUs. So, and it's amazing. You, know, you sort of get invested in the beverage world and you notice a couple of vodka, you know, the vodka soda and, then they do the vodka double black soda and then they do the um, the gin and soda and, you know, you start to understand these developments of these brands and products and all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, it makes sense now. We're sort of a year behind going through the same process. So it is, it's interesting. But um, I can't even remember what the question was, but I was just was thinking about that. So I said it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gold because one of the things um, – in episode five, I had a guy on Jordan Muthasami who mentioned something and I made a mental note to bring this up the next time someone someone sort of raised something similar. Jordan spoke about his product, yeah, yeah, uh, Nom Nom, which is a, a basically a digital, yeah, so it's a digital menu application, right? And one of the words he used when we were talking about it is, is he said, we created a great MVP. Now, MVP means most yeah. valuable player in the NBA. Um but in in the business world, well, there's probably a couple of definitions. But for me, it's it's right. most valuable product. So it's your, um, you know, when we're approaching something from a marketing perspective, it's it's the key. It's for you guys. It's your original hundred percent. Well, at the moment, it's your hundred yeah. um, percent pear juice, just straight up. 
um, and, and it's sort of the hangover cure. And that was the initial, um, the initial pitch. And that's obviously sold very, very well. Um, underneath the MVP, there then becomes these whole other layers of, of products. Um, one of the things in, in another little startup I'm working on at the moment is we're actually, whilst we think we have, we're developing an excellent MVP, we're trying to develop basically an entry level product um, that gets people. So people might not want to commit to a, a $200, $300 purchase, um, but what would they buy for you know yeah. $9.99 um, that would get them in? And then once they receive the first product and they love it, yeah, it then leads okay. them into buying the second product. So you, you basically, basically, you're talking about the MVP principle for... Um, yeah, yeah, know, I love for, it for beverages as well. So, someone walking through, right, might grab, you know, might grab Bay Juice at, at Dan Murphy's, love it, and then when they're walking through again, they're going to go and b- back and buy that product. There's other people that might be in a health food store and they see your immunity, you know, your immunity juice, which is, you know, maybe isn't quite as successful as the MVP product. Yeah, 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 more yeah. Successful. We'll see. We'll see when you launch it, but. You know, it could be a lesser successful product, but then the next time that person that doesn't actually, you know, they're into health and fitness and everything and, and they don't go to Dan Murphy's that often. Next time they're going into IGA or something like that and they've had this immunity juice, they walk past your product and they go, oh, these guys do do this page. Oh, what's this one cures hangovers. Okay, great, right? And then they remember that and the next time that they've got a party, maybe they're holding a function for work or something and they actually walk in and because of the immunity yeah, product, they yeah, end up I buying think. two or three cases of your MVP to give to everyone yeah, at, at the start of Christmas party or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's basically what you were describing as well. I just want to break it down for people that it's something that anyone that's looking at starting a business obviously has to have an MVP product, something that, that they obviously back themselves yeah. in to sell again and again and again and again. But you also have to have, you know, variety. I, I guess the thing you would have seen as well in your spaces, you can go down the avenue of having too much variety and probably this packaging and things like that, that we Definitely. have to look at as well from a marketing perspective. But if you walk in and, and you're looking at a product and you can't tell which one you want to buy, that's probably an issue. But if you've got clearly delineated products, um, preferably, you know, similar price points or different price points, um, you know, two products, one cheaper, one more expensive, with different levels of benefits makes a lot of sense. Or in your instance, two products that are priced the same yeah, but are designed yeah. to do slightly different things gives people an access into the brand. Um, yeah, so no, I well, just wanted I, to sort of recap yeah. and touch on that because I know Jordan had brought it up in in the app space, and I sort of hadn't, I didn't touch on it in that episode, but I think it's something that's really important for everyone. Yes, build an MVP, but also be thinking in the back of your mind if this starts taking off. What's our what's our entry product or you know what's Definitely. what's the next yeah, it's thing happening firsthand for me right now so I can absolutely back the comment <laughs> today yesterday it happened so there you go. Um, you mentioned being sort of like a bit of a, a, a bit of an easygoing guy. Um, do you work through like a, a strict morning routine or anything like that? Um, you know, maybe it's a morning routine or is there one sort of daily non-negotiable outside of work that, that you um, not make specifically. sure you do I'm a mad, I'm, I'm mad on coffee. I have to have coffee. I'm one of those people, um, just addicted. But no, nah, not really. I, I honestly, um, whatever. And if you do two or three 
11, 12-hour days at the cafe. By that time, you got the day off, you cooked and you sleep till 10 a.m. and then you're fresh again. Or you might have something on and you're up early and then you got to sleep early that night. So it just, it just, I've never had the same two days off a week for many, many years now, I think. It's, I'll have a Monday and a Thursday off. The next week will be Friday and a Sunday and the next week will be Tuesday, Wednesday. It's never, ever been the same. It's just me, my brother, Benny, um, and my dad, we just kind of just fill the gaps on whatever's not working and that's the way we've always been. So you just kind of, I think it's helped me sort of get some sort of thick skin and get good at sleeping or, or just, you know, there's no, actually, there's no routine whatsoever. It's almost the complete opposite. It's uh, you work every different day or whatever it is, but I think it sort of helps you just being in the mindset of bay juice or, or cafe all the time. So no, just need my coffee. Every other day is pretty random. Uh, I love, I love watching some shitty dramas. It just helps me take my mind off whether it's, um, What's the latest? Too hot to handle, or is it um, too hot to handle? Is that what it is? I think it is. I can't remember. On Netflix, it's some crappy show. Oh, okay. I'm so out. <laughs> it's so that, or whether it's Max or some other. I just anything that's really dumb and mind-boggling, I'll, I'll watch to take my mind off things, and it, it sort of helps me a bit of zen. Instead, I've noticed you do some yoga and meditating. For me, I need to watch Married at First Sight. It's my form of meditating because it's so ridiculous. <laughs> um i love that um it's it's what you're actually what you're describing on a on a psychological level is just escapism um and this is one of the things that people i guess probably until you start sort of reading into some of the psychology and how how people work and you look at some of these like super high performing people like i heard the other day that elon musk breaks his day yeah. into three minute increments and like that that just like boggles my mind so he can have someone in his office for three <laughs> minutes and that's a meeting um like i i can't yeah yeah you can be that hour for five minutes by the time you're in an hour um, he's at a meeting and a half <laughs> it's nuts correct so um, you know, people that work that are super, you know, structured and, and have routines and things like that, you'll also find that somewhere yeah. in there, there's some form of escapism. Now, escapism for one person might not be escapism for others. So, you know, escapism for me is often sort of physical activity or something like that. Um, I also read quite a bit and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I consider most of those things escapism. Now, some people think that listening to a podcast on, um, <laughs> listening to a podcast on sort of like personal development or, you know, some psychologist or some doctor or something like that is an escapism. And they think that watching reality TV or, um, you know, Josh Telford on my first episode, uh, he watches David Attenborough yeah. documentaries. All of these things are actually the same thing. And once we can wrap our head around it, I think as a society that what we actually, it's not that people are addicted to, reality TV, well, there are some people that are, there are, of course, there's always, um, you know, extreme cases, but, you know, extreme examples don't, I guess, break the rule. The rule being that everyone needs a bit of escapism and however you find that, um, it's Spot important on. that you nurture that and make sure it's in there. But the other thing you, I, I think the other, the great thing that you raised, um, I can bang on a lot about having hyper-structured days and and you know how how much that can benefit you um you also have to be really adaptable yeah um and that's sort of really what you're talking about you're you're at the cafe you're completely present in that business in the moment dealing with the problems and the commercial realities of that situation and then when you're not you're adapting and you're moving into your other business and you're completely present in that you, obviously ideally when you're doing 
by the time you leave the cafe after 11 hours, yeah. everything's wrapped up, everything's ready and set to go for the next day. And you can be completely on bay juice if you need to be, you know, if you need to be working on that in the evening, you're completely there and completely present. I think adaptability is a massive thing. If I'm a big advocate of having a routine, but if you've got a routine and it actually throws you out for the day, if something goes wrong or you can't do something in routine, then you need to just work a little bit more adaptability in there as well, because you can't be, I guess, so set in your set in your structure that anything that goes wrong is going to throw you because, you know, as you, as you would know, mate, anything, anything can happen anytime. That's right. And I, I think for me, I'm not sure if you notice, but the amount of things that I can relate to the cafe and Bay Juice is amazing. And the more I talk about my journey, the more I talk about everything that's going on over the past two, three years, they just relate so much. So I've been lucky that, that they do, you know, whether it's high pressure situations, whether it's some accounting stuff, whether it's, you know, we'll get, we got distributors in every three days, whether it's milk, um, whether it's soft drinks, whether it's coffee. And, you know, I'm talking to them about wholesale pricing. I'm talking about them, do they export it, you know, outside of Australia? I'm talking about what's their margins on their orange juices and organic blood orange mineral orders. So it's kind of a cool space to be in. I'm quite lucky that they, they relate so well. So I've sort of used that to my advantage instead of just nuggeting through the cafe. It's like, oh, what do you do? And then you see a big corporate guy or typical, you see a, a guy with like, you know, quite a big retailer shirt on. You're like, oh, yeah, here we go. Is that a little 7-Eleven shirt? What do you do, you know? So it's it's quite lucky that I can stay sort of in both zones because they do sort of relate in some way, shape or form. I think you've touched on a couple of, um, you know, a couple of gems in there, which is probably like always, just always yeah. be learning all the time from stuff that, stuff that's around you. You can obviously get into, if you're in a job you don't like, um, it's about trying to find the, the learning and the opportunities in there um, as well to obviously maximise your, you know, when when you do go and do your own thing, if that's that's what you plan or when you leave and go to another firm or anything like that, just make sure that you're milking it 100%. For, what it's, for what it is. Um, you know, I've had some pretty average jobs and some pretty average bosses um, along the way. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that they were bad people to, to learn off some of them were you know great operators and, and great business operators um yeah. we just didn't gel or you know we just sort of had our own our own personal views on the way that, that things should be done um but it didn't didn't mean for any minute that i didn't learn you know so so much off these people um and you can actually walk away from you know something something that you definitely wouldn't go back and do again but you walk away and go, oh geez definitely. i learned a lot out of that um just just as much as talking to the distributor that drops your orange juice off, you know, you finding out about margins and how you should be pricing your product and what you should be paying and all of those things. It's just a little bit you can pick sure. up along the way. Um, let's get into some practical, um, some practical kind of things. Um, what are three tips that you would give to someone if they just wanted to sort of level up their life by, by 1%? Um, oh, the 1% thing, I, I, uh, this is probably too big for a 1% of, but. Okay, cool. You give and, us 50%. And, 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 anything, so, anything's good, but just sort of, I don't, I don't like to over. Yeah, well, I like I'm going to unfortunately start that, high here you know, and finish low. <laughs> but, but the biggest thing for me at the okay. moment, um, and I wrote it on a LinkedIn article recently, and it just is so cliche. When you actually break it down, it, it makes sense, and that is 
it's 100% a marathon, not a sprint. You know, there's no $1 million freaking beverage idea that's going to, you know, make money in 12 months. And, you know, at one stage we had so much momentum in the first few months and we had a really cool product. People were telling me you're not going to make money in 24 months. You know, it's such a common thing to hear. And I was like, yada, 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 no dramas. We got a sick product or we probably will be. Um, and then here I am, you know, 18 months later, still going far out. I've got no coin personally um, or, or sort of in the business account half the time because we're just trying to grow the business. But it's definitely a longer process. Um, and, and my favorite example is Nexpa. Um, they have a kombucha and a few other organic drinks in Woolies and potentially Coles as well. They're a pretty big brand. Um, and I'd never seen them ever before. And then all of a sudden, I saw a massive range of them in both retailers going, wow, this is awesome. Really cool branding. Looks good. Good product. Really clean. No calories, no sugar. Well played. Hop on LinkedIn. Follow all the CEOs. He's been the CEO of Nexpa for eight and a half years or something like that. It might have been six or eight because there's a couple of examples that I've been using. But for an amazing, trendy current product that's just hit the shelves or it might have been there for longer but i'm always in these aisles i've just noticed this product and he's been chipping away for over six or seven years to get this product where i just saw it today or the other day um and that just made me realize going shit okay you know like there's there's just no quick fire alternative or uh, you know hopefully it's not the longer journey than that or hopefully it's shorter than that but you know, the fact is it is a process and we've got to build our independence. We've got to build our data. We've got to get stats. We've got to get sales. We've got to get reviews. We've got to, we've really got to build our brand and everything about what we're doing way more and that doesn't happen overnight. Um, so it's definitely a longer process than the excitement of the first six months. You're like, you know what? We are going to sell this shit to Lion or Asahi or whoever's in that, you know, leading beverage sector for Squillions, we're on here. Cool product, tastes great, definitely helps. Fuck yeah. No, it, it, it is a journey and we're just figuring that out. And, you know, you, you get 20 IGAs and two of them you go into saying, hey, how'd you go with the stock? And they go, what stock? What, what's Bay Juice? And you're like, oh, you know, we spoke about this a fortnight ago and you loved it, you know. So it is just a bit of a long burning process. But with the smaller milestones we've had, they've been so rewarding, whether it's an article in Daily Mail or Urban List, whether it's a store buying 20 boxes and doing a sort of like Costco display with a giant massive, you know, sort of um, display of all our products. So it, it's, a, it's a long journey. Um, it, it's, it's, it's quite difficult to sort of enter these massive industries with huge brands, but it's definitely rewarding. So the minute I realized that, you know what, this isn't going to happen overnight. I've just got to keep working at it. We've got a good team together, a good product. We've just got to keep going. You know, just never stop moving forward, always progressing. If we keep doing that, we will hit that sort of that success mark or we, we will hit that big retailer and, you know, we will reap the rewards from it. So that was a very long answer for a one percenter, but that's something that's just resonated with me a lot recently that it's going to be a long journey and it's going to be a long time until we've got our own office. It's going to be a long time until, um, you know, we've got money to sponsor these huge events, huge events that we're dreaming of. So, yeah, it's definitely... Not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon to sort of get where we want to be as a brand and as business owners. So definitely my first one. Um, I, I think, yeah. You got two more. It doesn't even have to be business. It doesn't even have to be business related. Like it could be something as simple as um, 
I don't know, like a good gift, like a, a good gifting idea or something for corporate <laughs> gifting. I know that's a business example as well. But... And that's, oh, I spoke about it recently again, and that's just the balance of things. And, you know, talking about challenges and tips and advice, well, for me, it was all at once. It was all bay juice, all cafe with my girlfriend, three and a half years, dad and mum are pounding me. What should we do here? Should, what furniture should we buy? What colours should we paint the cafe? Should we go for the mustard or the mango? It's like they're the same fucking colour. Um, you know, like it was just everything was <laughs> and that literally happened, obviously, because that's too random for it not to actually happen. Um, so everything was all happening at once. And, you know, to be honest, me and Sumin were sort of unhappy at one stage because we're just trying to invest every minute of every single day into what we were doing. I said to Sumin, no, just trust me, come on. We just smash it out for a couple of years. We'll sell the cafe. Bay Juice will be successful. But, you know, there's only so long that that can go on for. So we found that life balance. We watch our crappy reality TV shows. We were going out once a week, whether it's breakfast, lunch or dinner. Um, you know, we were starting to make time for our relationship. I gave time to Benny and me. I gave time to Bay Juice more specifically. If I was exhausted and mum and dad asked for something Benny and me related, I'd just say, you know what, I'm cooked. I'll talk to you tomorrow vice versa you know Liam's gone hey let's do this just do this I'll come over now and we'll run over through this campaign we want to put together I'm like it's just gonna have to wait till this morning because I'm just fucking wrecked let's just let's do this tomorrow I'll give it 100% instead of 50 so just that life balance and and giving your full to everything you know in the best way possible rather than just flogging yourself seven days a week morning to night eating dinner while you're on a call or you know trying to email new new leads or whatever it was that's that that was another big thing that's just i've started getting good at and i'm a lot more happier me and sumin's relationship's really strong at the moment me and Liam are super solid we've got all these ideas we're looking at new partners now so everything's not just building momentum with the brand but personally i'm in a lot better place as well and that's from finding that balance of trying to be you know the jack of all trades the master at none and now we've got our roles now i'm getting better at this and means soon i've got time this morning till 12 and then i'll go do some deliveries with liam so again a long one for tip number two but that life balance has helped me be happier so i think if, if anything that's a very important one that's i reckon that's a gem like i can't i actually can't <laughs> fault i can't fault this episode i think we've covered some of the honestly some of the best like yeah. in the most sometimes the most roundabout way like we've got there but just that like it's such a simple thing about saying no to things i guess is, is really you know the, the big the big thing is having the ability to say no you know what i'm not going to do that right now I'm, I'm you know it's going to get done but not right now um and I, I guess in some senses you know like you almost have to one of the i, I think one of the biggest myths um, in, in business that I'm definitely noticing with a lot of people that I'm speaking to, the, the younger guys, um, is this like hustle culture that was really big, like, you know, five years ago, which was like, just work your face off all the time, um, 24 seven and, and you'll be successful. Um, it, it's really starting to fade away. And the guys that are actually doing well are yeah. the ones that are, that are building balance into their life. Um, you know, on a personal, yeah, on yeah, a personal yeah. note, not to hijack your question, but one little thing I did is I just, I just do, I do like about approximately somewhere between six thirty and seven o'clock, depending on the timetable. Um, I I just penciled in a yoga class, and it was just non-negotiable. So 
It didn't matter what was going on at work. If a client called me, they, they would literally be like, oh, hey, can I see this property, um, you know, tonight? And I'd be like, yes, you can see the property tonight. Um, and then I'd calculate my head. I'm like, I get to yoga, seven o'clock hour class, get changed at the property. Yeah, I can meet you there at nine o'clock. Oh, no, we can't yeah. do that. Oh, well, I can meet you at six o'clock for half an hour. Oh, yeah, that works, right? And you actually just block, you block out that time for yourself, right? I haven't lost any business because of it in the real estate business. If not, yeah, it's maybe better it, because I've just yeah. had a better minds, but mindset to deal with things. And look, I've had the occasional person that said, yeah, meet me there at 9.30. I, I did a showing um, I did a showing <laughs> three months ago at 10 p.m. in the evening. Um, <laughs> like just, ridic- just ridiculous things um, simply because I just said, look, this time isn't available, but I'm, you know, I'm here to help and I, I really want to help you out. I value your custom, um, you know, I, I regularly do things before hours. I think before hours is a gem. Um, you know, a good mate of mine in the real estate industry actually um, showed me a great tip, which was um, which was going to the tan um, and doing a lap of the tan with prospective um, prospective oh, clients. Yeah. So that's something that you know most people are getting up in the morning and doing their exercise. So you say, hey mate, why don't you meet me at Gilson? We'll grab a coffee. We'll, we'll do a lap of the tan. It's four kilometres. So you get around there in, in sort of 30 minutes if you're walking at a good pace, right? So there's your 30 minute morning meeting and then you're back in the car and you're on the way to the office or, or you're on your yeah. way to the, to the gym to have a shit, something like that. But that was just a really easy little hack about balancing your life. You're like, you know what? I'm going to exercise in the morning anyway. Why don't I, why don't I fit this in here? Which also means on the, you know, on the back end, it means I've got, an hour at the end of the day where I can come home from work, de-stress, relax, do my yoga, and then come home and have a beautiful dinner, you know, with my partner or any of those things. Um, and just be completely present in that moment because you're utilizing other time. It just has so many benefits. It's, you don't realize until you start doing it and implementing it. So it's, it's spot on. Um, yeah, I've got one more and I just thought of it. Um, and you owe me one more. It's What's it's actually something I didn't realize until recently and people firstly message me or comment on, um, I did a video interview with this sort of careers guy explaining that, you know, I didn't go to university. I got 39 out of 100 in BC and I was expelled from Xavier College. Um, so, you know, there's, there's still that potential there no matter what. And then again, you know, there's just, there's no limitations. And talking to him, did another podcast. I've been writing articles like that. I've been sharing my story and something that someone said to me and, and I'm, I'm really, ooh, it's, it's not something you try hard to be, but it is you're conscious of and that's just being authentic. Um, and that word's really starting to gel with me and that's why I'm being really raw and honest and I tell people that, you know, and I've told someone recently that we had that 20 grand invoice and we had 750 bucks in the account, you know, because that's what I was going through and I, and I really want people to understand and. I think right now it's great to learn from Gary V and get advice from someone worth a hundred squillion bucks. But right now I've got ninety dollars. I just paid my rent and I've got two businesses. We're in a hundred stores. We're knocking on the door from some massive retailers. So right now I reckon my advice is pretty good. Um, just because the sh- the fucked up shit that happened was yesterday, not three years ago. Before I had a budget of a million dollars a month for Facebook advertising. Now my, my budget this month seven fifty because it's been a bit slower because of Corona online, but we're still smashing retails, you know. And again, that's that that honesty piece. It's we're going through all of this today, 
today there was another hiccup. You know, tomorrow there's going to be another hiccup. We're working on, you know, giving a part of our business away to build our brand awareness and some really big figures in, in Melbourne to try and help us boost it. And we've never sold off a company before. We've never started a company before. Now we're trying to work out all this shit. So if someone asked me in three, four weeks, you know, how did you go about selling off some equity in your business? How, you know, what did you deem valuable? I'll be able to give you some really good advice because it would have happened in the last fortnight. So I think, you know, I'm really trying to be authentic. And I think if other people are authentic, it is a nice gel. It's a like-minded conversation. And I'm talking to people all the time now, I think, because there's a bit of trust factor. And I'm talking to someone that I haven't seen since 2004. We went to primary school together. And we've reconnected because he's really trying to help encourage people after school to have more experiences and just play footy and go to uni, you know, go experience life a bit more, have a gap year. And he's trying to use me as a bit of a case study and I'm realizing that my journey is pretty real. And so I'm just definitely trying to be a bit more authentic and a bit more real. And I think it's benefiting me and the growth of me and the growth of our business because people are learning more, people are giving more advice to me because they're connecting to what situation I'm in right now. Going, oh shit, I remember not having any money. I remember, you know, I remember having to grow the business with everything and then all of a sudden you're going to order stock and you've spent all the money on the fundamentals of growing your business online and now you've got to order stock to sell the business because you've been growing it online. You know, it's just just a bit madness and I'm going through it right now so I'm trying to be as real as raw as possible so other people can benefit from my mistakes essentially and I won't charge you a consulting fee. I just don't, you know, I just don't stop talking. I love it. <laughs> let's Let's rip into the next one. Yeah, easy. You've obviously just given us a couple of pieces of advice from your own experience and the things that you've sort of worked through, Tim. What's one of the piece of, pieces of advice that you've been given by, you know, someone else, a mentor, someone along the way um, that really stands out for you today? This is awesome. I, I'm just thinking of this right now. I honestly have nothing written. And it just clicked to me. Just my mum always says to me, just sleep on it. And it has saved the fucking day a few times. Um, from signing three to six month contracts with marketing agencies, PR companies, gonna spend a bucket load on an influencer and do a three thousand dollar Instagram story campaign with Dane Swan, you know, like it just would have got nothing resulted, and 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 then even Dad being like, yeah, what's the return? What's the return? What's the return on it? You know, is it valuable? But I, I think just I get so excited and I want to grow the business, and I think that. You can be a bit of a, you know, you can go on a bit of a suicide run of, you know, if you make the mistake, you can learn from it, but you can't just go spending money like a madman and go, no, I'll just learn from it, but I'll just spend it like a madman. And sometimes we did that with different marketing agencies, strategy sessions, PR sessions, influencers, um, being allowed it to give out product and event we had to pay for, you know, it's it all very willy nilly, but until I sort of took a step back and again, that word composure and sort of slept on it and go, you know what, I don't want to be at that fashion event where we're going to give 600 units and put them on the chairs because we did one two months ago and not one person posted a single story, 600 bay juices we gave away, not one story or anything from it. So again, I slept on that one. You know, we're talking about how many units we should order this run and we're saying, let's get tons and like, no, nah, let's just... We'll figure it out. We sleep on it and say, hey, there's no point getting a lot of units here right now because we've got to pay rent per pallet at our logistics warehousing. So there's no point having 20 pallets sitting there that we've got to pay five, six, seven dollars a pallet, you know, rent on 
and have 40 of them, you know, what's the point? So, you know, again, it was just that excitement and because we're so early on in the business, you can just make these calls that you think, yeah, we've been on a few winners and, you know, we've got that energy. Yeah, we've got lots of passion. So all these crazy ass ideas are all going to come off, but it's just not true. And to be honest, you only talk about the ideas that come off because you don't talk about the shit ones. <laughs> um, you know, same as betting, you know, you always hear about everyone's big wins and trifectas, but you never hear them losing two and a half grand on Derby Day. You hear about winning a thousand bucks to Melbourne Cup. Um, so it's just little things like that. Oh, that I've <laughs> it leans a bit of a punter, so he told me that one. <laughs> it's uh... oh. um, it's it's one of those you know it's a very interesting thing that like the house always wins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, I've I've a good friend of mine that actually manages um, manages the high rollers for uh, one of the big casino companies in uh, in Australia, um, and, and you know, there's guys on on his books that bet professionally and gamble professionally, and they make a lot of money out of it. Yeah. Um, but he also, you know, puts together for you know, mum and dad kind of business owners that are, you know, they've got significant businesses. You know, ten, twenty you know, $50 million worth of revenue a year, like not small operations by any means, but these guys aren't professional gamblers. And he goes, the amount of times that people will go to the casino and be up, you know, be up 50, 60 yeah. grand um, and, and they'll walk away with it. And But then we call them up and we hook them back in and they come back and they lose, and they lose 200 grand. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. it's, it's that element of, and, and I guess gambling and things like that are so addictive. But when you've got a business, um, one of the very interesting one of the very interesting things that that I um, I've recently started applying. Um, it was actually um, well, they were talking about um, the NASA, NASA as a business, which is very interesting, um, and they were talking about basically the space shuttles and the ones that exploded. You know, we're going back probably 10, 15 years yeah. now. Um, but the, basically the reason why the first, uh, the first shuttle exploded was there's this little part on the, on the space shuttle or on the, on the rocket bit that's called an O-ring. And it basically modulates, it's pretty much a little piece of rubber that modulates the, um, the, the amount of oxygen or something that flows through a certain part. Um, I've probably butchered that because I'm not, I'm no engineering <laughs> background. That's just what I can remember. Just out um, of the jet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so anyway, when, the, when these rockets are sitting on there, they obviously get bloody hot. So what they do is they cool these things down with like, they super cool them with like liquid nitrogen and dry ice and all of these things. So what would happen is when, um, when the rockets would sit out there on a normal day, like 24 degrees, the O-rings would be cooled down the correct amount and everything would work well. What happened this day was the O-rings, right, it wasn't a normal day. It was particularly cold and particularly windy and they would normally have aborted the launch. But because of a couple of reasons, they decided, oh, you know what, everything will be fine. We've done hundreds of these before. Let's do it. What had happened is the O-ring had become, you know, stiff and brittle because it was so cold. The rocket goes up and, you know, the rest history, the O-ring <laughs> fails, the fuel and the oxygen mix and the whole thing explodes and, you know, I think five or six or maybe more astronauts die. The very interesting thing about this story, right, and this is, I guess, the business metaphor, is it, during the investigation, 
they find out that they knew that they had an issue with these O-rings again and again and again. So these shuttles were taking off and landing, right? And when they land and they do the post-analysis of the flight, they'd be like, oh, these O-rings, you know, these are a bit brittle. What's happening? There's something wrong, right? But because they had a successful culture, because they were the gambler that was going to the casino and winning every single time, they had never had an issue at NASA, right? They'd never lost, a, never lost an astronaut on the, uh, on the shuttle on the shuttle program, yeah. right? They just kept betting. So they knew there was an issue but because they had this successful culture and they didn't have the checks and the balances there. They were just like, oh, it doesn't matter. This thing never crashes. It never, you know, it never blows up. It'll be fine. Um, and it basically was this systematic error again and again and again. And in the end, the, the house won, you know, yeah. if we talk about the, the lottery of, of shooting a man on a, yeah, on yeah. a, you know, on a rock, basically a huge explosive device up through the atmosphere, like the probability of us doing these things, it's extraordinary that we can do them. Um, and basically this systematic failure um, again and again and again, eventually caught up to them. Um, the lesson for business is if you do something like put 600, you know, 600 bay juices on the seats in, you know, at an event and you get a huge return from it, right? Say you did that and the first one goes gangbusters. So you go, okay, great, we'll do another one. And then the second one, you get nothing out of it. And then the third one, you get nothing out of it. The fourth yeah. one, you get nothing out of it, right? But if you keep agreeing to it on the premise of the first one, you actually, you're actually just repeating the same mistake. Over yeah, and over. You could have yeah, just got yeah. lucky the first time. And that was the whole hypothesis with this NASA thing is these guys actually just got lucky, you know, 150 times in a row. It could have happened on any of the other launches. They just, just literally got lucky. Um, and, you know, when you're playing with your business and your own money and things like that, I think it's important to firstly sleep on things, but, you know, be doing the analysis and making sure that every post is a winner, making sure that when you're spending on marketing that you're actually doing, you know, if you have a successful campaign, you need to know why. Why was it successful? Not just that was good, let's do it again. Yeah, why yeah. was it successful? How can we make it better? Um, oh, spot on. I, I, I think it just speaks to, you know, a couple of things you're saying about sleeping on it firstly and just making sure that you've got those those checks and balances um, and you're not just throwing money at things left, right and centre. But secondly, you know, the example um, that you had of, of putting the juices on the seats and, you, and you've had that one event and, you, you know, it might have seemed on paper that you had a good opportunity yeah. with, with the fashion festival, but you're actually going, you know what, it hasn't worked before. Why would it work again? Why risk it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah, it exactly. doesn't make sense. Exactly right. So there's, I there's a lot of people that would have been drawn into the image of, of the event, though, that being said, you know. Oh, definitely. And I think one point you touched on there, which is really cool as well, is to say it did go really well, the next three didn't, is one thing I think we've been really good at is when we've had a win. So we've got an article with Daily Mail. We said, sweet. The next day, let's get news.com. So I've been targeting them since. Um, you know, we got an article in Urban List. It's like, right, let's get broadsheet tomorrow. We had an article with Drinks Trade. Let's get Inside FMCG article the next day. You know what I mean? So we haven't been sort of hanging off our wins. And I love that. You know, like you don't, like even though you have a big win, you don't just keep sort of relying on it to get you through all the time. It's always what's that next thing. So I sort of got that out of that as well. It was a multi, multi thing. 
No, I, I reckon that's um, yeah, it's it's a great piece of advice. You know, it's one thing to obviously celebrate our milestones and work through it, but there's also an element of then, you know, why did we have this success? Why has this worked? Why have other things failed? And, and what have we learned from it? I think we often talk about learning from our failures. One thing I think generally we struggle to do in business is actually learn from our victories. Because we get so caught up in, in popping champagne corks yes, that we easy. don't look yeah. at what look at what went right. Yeah. It's a, um, actually on that, I had a, a personal trainer actually for a month because I was like, you know what, I need to get some <laughs> some good energy flying through me. I'm a, I'm looking like shit at the moment. So he's actually a good friend of mine who's been through his own sort of journey and story as well. He said something to me. He goes, celebrate your wins with something beneficial, not negative like alcohol or drugs, which is awesome. He goes, you don't celebrate something good with something bad because it makes that good thing bad again. You've got to celebrate something good with something good. Have a really nice meal. Get a massage. Have a phone call with some family and friends and productively talk about it. And I don't follow it <laughs> very religiously because I'd rather have a beer. But it, it, it has resonated a few times where I've gone, okay, I, it's, it's only a small win. I can't go having a big night. I've got shit to do tomorrow. So, yeah, I just thought I'd add that. Oh, I, I quite like that. Um, I'm, you know, I, I was prospectively your best customer um, a little over eight or so months ago, probably That's nine right. months yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, drinking, yeah. Um, but yeah, now than what it was before. But I can tell you, like, my, my celebration to what they were before, but they're, I think, I think they're better. Like, I'm just enjoying things a lot more. You know, I'm pretty much nine months sober, Um you know, I don't drink coffee. Um, oh, that's impressive. What else? Yeah, so no, no caffeine, no alcohol, um, no drugs, no, um, no. What else are we off? We're off gluten. Um, McDonald's, you're eating McDonald's. The good shit. Uh, no, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to avoid it. I, did, I got tempted get, the yeah. other day. <laughs> the hard, the hard thing is the gluten at, at the McDonald's. So there's not ah, a lot of things I can okay. eat. So it keeps me away from the buns and stuff yeah, like that. How do you a Big Mac? It's not the same. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, yeah, um, yeah, the bun was correct. It's, it's a little bit hard, but but the chips are the chippies. Oh, oh delicious! Yeah, that hurts. Um, <laughs> everything in moderation, right? Um, That's it. Um, and you know, the, the next thing I've got on on my list is I'm actually thinking about cutting out sugar. Um, so Ooh. I'm a pretty extreme person. I don't recommend anyone go and do the thing, the things that like <laughs> I want to do. But what it does me this great perspective and this great clarity and the alcohol culture in in australia and how we can just pretty much enter things an excuse for a drink which yeah. is great if you're selling korean if you're selling yeah. korean pear juice right like, like, life's good right it helps. Um, yeah <laughs> so i think you guys have got got a good business model there and i wouldn't be you know preaching <laughs> preaching it too loud to get yeah, no, no, I, won't piss, be, but... I think you're an idiot no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but you know the, the little things you you sort of um, like Saturday night, nothing, nothing going on in the middle of lockdown, and the statistics are showing that, like, you know, the liquor sales are up extraordinary amounts in this country um, because people are basically just, you know, choosing alcohol as a form of escapism yeah. rather than so many of the other healthy things that that they could be doing. Um, and you know, it's not really, it's not something to judge or not judge, but I really like that around. If you have a win, think about a healthy way that that you can celebrate it. There's a place, you know, there's a time and a place for a drink. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm choosing not to at the moment. Doesn't mean I might 
you know, might never again. I might, you know, I might indulge in the future. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm still, you know, I don't look at people being like, oh, you shouldn't have a drink. You shouldn't, yeah, do, this, you shouldn't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're having a nice meal and you want to enjoy some wine, you know, in, enjoy some wine. But, you know, if you've got an article in the Daily Mail, um, you know, there's a thousand ways you can celebrate that. And, you know, I think you touched on a great point. Is a bottle of champagne or, or 24 beers the best way to do that? And then wake up the next morning and you'd be high on your own supply drinking bay juice all day. <laughs> yeah. Just try and get over, your, get over your hangover. Exactly. Or you could leverage from it and start sending it to distributors, retailers and influencers saying, hey, you know, this is what you're missing out on. This is what's trending. So... Although we did have a, you know, maybe eight or ten beers, in the next morning we realised, you know, and and someone actually gave us this advice, and they said you've really got to leverage from these milestones and these big things, and and your hard work, like trying to get this article together, you got to leverage off that. So as much as we wanted to indulge, we still wanted to, you know, get every bit of its worth out of it. So no, it's a good point we've touched on, I reckon. No, I like that. I like that a lot. Um... Do you read books, Tim? No, nah, I never have. Specky McGee was my last book in year nine, I reckon. Or you think? <laughs> no, there's people that listen to this show. I actually have quite a big audience in the US, like 20% of our listeners are American. Um, it, can you describe Specky McGee? I don't even remember. I probably didn't, I'm probably American thinking listener. about other things I was reading it. That's why I don't read. But it's about all, all uh, Aussie footy is, bloke yeah. taking Specky's. <laughs> Uh, and a specky is a really um, it, for American is is like a catch when you jump on someone's like a wide receiver um, being on top of the shoulders of a oh come on can you help me here with the position of a defender um, a wide receiving uh, defender exactly what it is um, that was yeah, my last that's, book, no. I, I started reading the Oh, um, oh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I, I read the first chapter and got a lot out of it, but I, I haven't touched it since. It was, it was actually, yeah, it was good. the first uh, chapter was really good, actually. We, we, we touched on authenticity before. I, I'm glad you've answered that. Okay, so, good, yeah. So, so it's, it's your answer. Yeah. Um, no, I, I spoke to someone... Um, Someone the other day recommended that I read um, the book Sapiens, um, which is basically sort of a short history of, of mankind. And the way he phrased it to me, um, also quite a busy guy, um, he goes, just read the first two chapters. Just forget the rest of the book. Just the first two chapters That's are fine. Amazing. So, <laughs> um, you know, apparently the first chapter of uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is excellent, according excellent. to Tim O'Sullivan from Beijing. But actually, I did get a free book recently. That was from Sabi Subi. Oh, God, I hope I pronounced that right. He owns King Kong um, King Kong Media. It's like the biggest lead generation company yep. at the moment. And he's got this massive book, Sell Like Crazy. I got it for free and I gave it to Liam to read. Um, <laughs> he said there's <laughs> some amazing points out of it. And actually, he's implementing a couple of them at the moment and that's when you're approaching anyone to just get a couple of yeses straight away and he says it's helping so much. So he's going to IGA, he's going, you guys must be busy with the pandemic and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, we are. And he goes, are you guys selling lots of alcohol with all the stockpiling of alcohol? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we are. And he goes, oh, right, right. You know, and he asked three questions of the most obvious yeses ever and he hit him, oh, you know, 
you know, we've got a great product. There could be really good little basket add-on. We'll give you some samples for free. You call us, you sell out, bang, we'll stock in. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Bang, 38 out of 40 IGAs and he's been using the old yes technique. How's that? I should have read I it. I love that. That's <laughs> it's a great piece of advice. I actually have I actually have several. Oh, you're joking. There um, you go. So, yeah, I, I, I have a copy of that That's as well. Um, I haven't got... I haven't got around to it yet um, because I, I read a lot. I'm trying to get through a book a week this year, um, which has proved yeah, difficult, yeah. but it's it's in there and in the next couple of weeks I should get through that. But um, I think at the moment the book's, you know, the book is a um, an Amazon bestseller at the moment. So um, I can't recommend it personally, but obviously you guys have got something valuable out That's of it. it. So sure. I'll, um, I'll chuck a link in the show notes to, um, to the yeah, book as well. Um, what is something that you're curious about currently, Tim? Um, I'm very curious about what I've – well, I, I was thinking the other day and I'm really enjoying telling my story and speaking all the time and speaking to like-minded people like yourself. And I'm like, well, if I enjoy this so much, where is this going to take me? And I'm only going to have more roller coasters and more skews and speak to bigger retailers and experience different partners and industries and selling off some of our company. I'm – I'm really fascinated of, you know, where it's going to lead me in the end. And I think, you know, if I'm 26 now and Bay just goes as well as I hope and, you know, Benny and me, we might have an extra strategy over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, I'm just so curious where I'm going to end up. Uh, I've had my palm read in, in a mountain of Korea while we're having a, a coffee and a tea. Um, and the lady said, you know, you're going to fight with your parents this year. So far, so good. Um, she said... You're going to enter a new industry in the next sort of 24 months. You know, I don't listen to these people at all. I don't even read books. Um, but I, so I definitely don't re- listen to, you know, fortune tellers. But I have been really curious as, you know, like although I'm in the thick of these two things right now and in 10 years, that's a long way away. I'll still only be 35, 36. I've just turned 26. So I'm just so interested into you know, where this journey is going to take me. And, and I'm really excited. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not worried whether things are going to go full to shit or things are going to go great. I'm actually really excited for the future. So I'm very curious as to what Bay Juice, what the beverage industry, what Benny and me, what the hospitality industry, what it's got installed for me as right now I'm in the middle of it. And I'm just so excited and curious as to where it's going to take me. And, you know, I'm really fascinated in... You know, it's just different venues for hospitality or I've been noticing different products. I've been speaking to a guy from the middle of Greece who does the most authentic olive oil in the world, he reckons. And he's like, you could rebrand this and sell it. And so I was in I was in Coles the other day looking at the olive oil aisle, being like, maybe olive oil is going to be my new passion. Um, but I was like, I don't even cook. Um, <laughs> so I'm very curious as to what my strange... Life after school is going to take me, whether that's what you're looking for or not. But there you go. <laughs> no, well. I think it's good. You just, you know, you're really just curious about about the yeah, future definitely. and the journey. It's it's something that I think about yeah, a lot. Yeah. Like, if someone had told me, you know, the podcast was something I wanted to do for ages, and it is honestly the most enjoyable thing um, that I do now. It's sort of like working, but sort yeah, of like yeah, not. Yeah, I love it. Um, and it's just. You know, speaking to people like yourself, some of the guests that we've got lined up on the show are just like ridiculous next level. Um, I've got, you know, some of the best female entrepreneurs um, in, in the country lined up. Um, I've got, you know, this endless, endless, you know, I've got people doing ideas that when I, 
heard them for the first time, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's impossible. So I'm ready to get my mind yeah. blown. Um, and, and, you know, it just does, it makes you really, really curious about, okay, well, you know, this is sort of quite a small thing now. Like, you know, episodes are doing, you know, about a thousand, a thousand yeah, listens, yeah. something like that. Um, what if they're doing a million yeah, like, yeah, yeah. by the end of the year? Like, you know, is this a full time? There's people that do yeah, this full yeah. time. So that's, I completely, you know, I completely feel it's you exciting, there. You yeah. just get so, you, you know, you almost don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you just know you're working on the right things and you just get really curious about almost what life's going to throw you or where the next opportunity will Definitely, come from. Definitely, 100%. Um, if you could step into my shoes, what would be one question that you would ask yourself um, that I've not? I think because it's, it's business related, what's, I think, outside of it. Can be personally well, related. Oh, yeah, true. But I, I think that um, just what are some other industries that, you know, these, you know, you're interested in. I was listening to someone the other day talking and they're big in hospitality and even in fashion and they're talking about wanting to dabble in the digital space and start developing content. And I was like, wow, you know, like, it's really left to center, you know, like you're, you know, in your space right now running, doing all this and that, and you're really interested in a whole new space. And I asked myself this question literally the other night going, well, what else am I interested in besides hospitality and, and launching a beverage? And I still didn't have many answers, but I think the alcohol space has always been, has always been interesting for me. And until I learned about taxes recently, I was chatting to Jesse from Bondi Blue Vodka. He's an absolute legend. And I was asking him all these questions about his business and we've collaborated on a few events and the marketing manager is a good friend of mine as well, Dan, and he comes in the cafe. I, I just love what those guys are doing. They're really good people and we actually serve their vodka at the cafe. And he's telling me about all the taxes with vodka and alcohol and RTDs and I was like, oh, my God, there's no way I'll dabble in alcohol anymore. You know, like there's just no way. And, and then you start looking at all these different health products and I, I think – Something that I want to do non-beverage and, and, and non-hospitality related is continue looking for niche innovative products from Southeast Asia. Um, and when I spoke to someone the other day, I said, have you ever been to Japan? And they said, yes. I'm like, what do you feel about the beverage fridges at 7-Eleven? like, oh, my God. I'm like, exactly. You don't know what they are. They're so colorful. There's like weird-shaped <laughs> shit inside of these juices. It looks like there's, there's pips. Like in an apricot, like it looks like an apricot pip in a juice. Like it's just different little bubbles on the bottom. There's weird colors. It's just unbelievable. I'm like right now we drink Coke, Coke Zero, Powerade, Gatorade, um, Red Bull, Monster V. Uh, what else is in a fridge? Um, a couple of different juices, daily juice. A you know, like, couple of big M's. A couple of big M's, Nippies, Nippies, chocolate and straws. You know, how far, you know, we've just got such a, uh, you know, like a, a very limited offering, you know, in this massive island on the bottom of the world from all these cool products. When you go overseas, that's why you love going overseas because you go to a supermarket overseas, you're like, this is the coolest thing ever. When I go to a Korean supermarket, I'm mind blown. There's the coolest shit everywhere. The fridge goes for an entire aisle and it's the cold fridge, let alone the non-cold fridge. And there's all these different beers and different distilled alcohol. There's milk and alcohol in a green bottle. It's bizarre. And there's rice wines. It's, it's crazy. So I'm sitting here thinking we've got beer, wine, RCDs, you know, your, your, your udels and shit and your different craft beers and ciders. We've got our Cokes and your Red Bulls. You know, there's just there's so much we haven't been open up to. So I asked myself the other day, if all this shit falls to shit, 
what would I do? And I think it is I'd continue to explore these really cool, innovative ideas that are so familiar to such a massive population in Southeast Asia, to our little population we haven't even been open to that I think that's something I'd dabble into. And I've just come up with that answer and that question myself just then. I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> um, I love your enthusiasm for it. I think it's a it's a funnel. Yeah, definitely. Down it's, forever. It's so, I think yeah, we're miles away from everything. Oh, we, we had a chat the other day um, when we were preparing for this, and I, I mentioned that I was at um, some noodle or hot pot place, and I had like a grape, yes, uh, a grape drink in a can, and I love I love the synthetic grape yeah, flavor. Yeah. It tastes nothing like grapes, but. Um, and so I, the only word I could understand on the bottle was yeah. grape, so I got that. And then I actually found the only other two, after I drank about 30 40% of the can, the only other two words in English that I could find on it were fermented milk. Um, safe to say, I didn't finish the rest of the pot. It was actually really nice. Yeah. Um, there you go. But <laughs> dairy isn't something that I consume, I consume a lot of, but I was basically drinking like a fermented milk flavoured with grape. Um, and it was a really good product. Um, there you go. It something it's exotic. Think, You'll you love know, it. If it was definitely marketed right, it's definitely saleable. Um, so yeah, it definitely. just, you know, it, 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 I guess if they can sell chocolate big M's, you can definitely sell, you know, grape flavored yeah, fruit flavored. <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, definitely. Amen. Um, so, you know, just little ideas like that. You, you've got an endless funnel that'll keep you going there. Um, where where can everyone find you online, Tim? Obviously, you've got Bayjuice uh, website and, and Instagram and, and things like that. Yep. So our handle on Instagram is Bayjuice Oz, and it's A U S. You know, we're so Aussie when everyone's like Bayjuice O Z, yeah. And you're like, no, uh, Oz is in the first three letters of Australia, not Aussie Aussie. Oi oi, far out. You know, like A U S. So Bayjuice Oz A U S. Um, and then I'm on LinkedIn, Tim O'Sullivan, and. You should see a photo of my 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 um, my pill there with the beiges in my cover photo, um, and I'm pretty busy on there. And I love talking to everyone, whether it's you're overseas or whether you're local, and whether you're doing a product or whether you're in any other industry. I love it. I obviously talk a lot, so I just love talking to people and what they're doing. So feel comfortable to reach me out on there. I respond to Instagram DMs. I'm on the Facebook. I'm on everything. I'm on LinkedIn beiges. You name it. So I'm always I'm always accessible. Um, one last thing. I'm going to spring this on you. Yeah. Um, one last thing. What what sizes of, of the packs do um do Bay Juice come in? Yeah. So we've got a, a brand new. So our latest shipment is a brand new 12 pack, and it's rip ready. You can slide it in your fridge. It's got all that information on it, and they come in 12 and 24 packs. Um, and they're on our website. Every now and then we have some Dan Murphy specials on their online platform. Um, and, yeah, in your nearest sort of IGA if you're in Melbourne, we've got about 40 of them. Um, and in Queensland there's a whole bunch of cafes, but obviously due to circumstances, um, they're not open at the moment, but we're about to broaden our horizons to sort of Western Australia and South Australia. So for people out there, keep an eye open. Uh, but, yeah, we're predominantly in Melbourne and Queensland at the moment and about to hit New South Wales as well. We're dying to get into there. Um, but it's been, again, you know, that slow growth so we can make sure everything goes well properly. Here is what um, we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. I am on the Bay Juice website right now. And the best, when this airs, the best question that I get DM'd to me um, or DM'd to, to the radio page, or actually you can even email me. You can email me at jr at jackroberts.com.au. 
the best question that I get emailed um, is going to get a 12 pack of Bay Juice. If they're in Melbourne, they're going to get it hand delivered. Amen. Um, <laughs> in Melbourne, um, then I'll make sure that it gets shipped to you. Um, so <laughs> anyone that wants to try Bay Juice, it's on me. Um, and send me an email, jr at jackroberts.com.au or shoot me a DM on Instagram, LinkedIn, anything like that, and I'll compile those. Um, it can be a question about anything you like, something about me, something about Tim, um, preferably um, a question that I could ask uh, maybe future guests on the show or something like that, um, and we will remunerate you with 12 packets of Bay Juice. So Amen. the next time you have a drink, you don't have to quite... Um, you know, you don't have to feel quite as bad the next morning. Amen. I love it. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for your time um, today, Tim, and we'll um, no doubt speak soon. Mate, it's been awesome. I love it. We've crunched out some awesome shit there on topic, off topic. Um, it's been gold, and uh, thanks so much for having me. It's, you know, we talked prior to this. We've talked now, and, um, you know, it's been really refreshing talking to you, so I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Radio by Jack Roberts. We look forward to bringing you another episode next Monday at 7pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. Until then, you can always subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or anywhere you get your podcasts. If you'd like to keep up to date with radio, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Radio by Jack Roberts. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at Jack Roberts 8 or just type in Jack Roberts on LinkedIn.